Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Father, to give all of ourselves to you, God. That's our cry to you this afternoon, that we would be fully reliant, fully submitted, and we would experience you fully tonight. And Father, as we come into this space, we don't want a God who is merely explained. We want a God who is encountered. And just as these kids sang about a real and living God, we want to be a child before you, God. We want to be able to rest in front of you, God. We want you to be the all strong and responsible and powerful God that takes care of us, God. That takes care of us. And so we rest right now in your presence. And now, Lord, we ask that the Spirit of God would be in this place and he'd move amongst us and he would awaken our minds to your truth and he would stir our hearts to your affections and you'd lead us. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Christmas imagery that we have come so accustomed to Uh, Sometimes we can either drive by or celebrate and we can easily forget the power of it. So beautiful being able to read the Christmas story and remember what Jesus has done coming from heaven and coming from a throne. And when you look at this imagery, you see the, the manger scene and you see God becoming a baby. And there, in these last few weeks, we've been just walking through this imagery of worship, of coming before God with all of ourselves and presenting God with our heart and our mind and our gifts. The psalmist says in Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Singing, shouting, extolling him with music and song. And then he says, here's why. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so the psalmist said, in our singing, in our extolling, in our shouting, he said, in addition to that, bow down before this holy God. And then he says, for he is our God and we are the people of his 
pasture, the flock under his care. He says we come before him submitted like sheep in his stall, him being our shepherd, and we sing of his great mercy and his beauty. And then he says, today, today, if only you would hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The psalmist said, after we sing, after we shout, after we bow down, and when you recognize that you are sheep of his pastor, he said you recognize all those things, but there could be one thing keeping you from fully submitting, giving all of yourself to him. He says if you have a hard heart. Um, you know, bowing down before someone may be one of the most humbling things that you will ever see. I have only bowed before one person, and that was Natasha Chanel Silva at the time. I was asking her to marry me. She said yes, praise the Lord. It is sociably, socially acceptable to get on a knee to ask someone to marry you. Outside of that, in our society, it is not socially acceptable to get on your knee before anyone. In fact, even if we worship and we sing and you see someone get on, your, on their knees, some people will say, man, that person is going in. They are worshiping, look at that. And then there are other people that are like, it doesn't take all that. <laughs> Just lift your hand, he good, he, know, he loves you. When you lower yourself in front of someone, it is one of the greatest demonstrations of honor and submission. It is physically saying you are greater than I, you are stronger than myself, and I give myself to you. What a picture. And the psalmist says, what may keep you from that, not just getting on the knee, but the, the demonstration of submission is a hard heart. There were astrologers we've been looking at in Matthew chapter two. There were astrologers looking in the stars of the sky. They spent their time there and they would be looking for great signs to see what would happen on earth. And as these astrologers were studying the sky, they realized a great king would come from heaven. God was communicating through the stars. And God revealed himself by aligning a star over Jesus, where Jesus would be. And in Matthew chapter two, it says, when they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They hadn't even seen Jesus yet. And on coming to the house, they saw the child, they saw his mother, Mary, and they bowed down before this baby and they worshiped him. They opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and 
frankincense and myrrh. And we, we talked about the first week how when in Christ you could have this victorious surrender, that you can surrender your life before God. And then we can also know that he is someone who is our strong God who will fight our battles so we can have victorious surrender. And we talked about lifting our hands before God. And then last week, we talked about giving from our treasure, just like in this imagery here, where they not only bowed down, but they gave frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They gave from their gifts, from their treasure. And then we see here, they bowed down before this baby. And you know, sometimes when we read the Bible, sometimes we just read too fast. And we just don't allow ourselves just to feel awkward sometimes. Here's this manger, this shed of sorts with all these animals there, most likely an eight-day-old child. Mary has had this baby. It doesn't say Joseph's there in the moment. And here a family has had their kid. And here these three men come, and they have gifts and yes, Mary has been prophesied to by an angel saying that her child would essentially be the son of God and that he was to be worshiped. But Mary's now had this baby and this baby most likely if, I don't know, maybe Jesus was the greatest baby of all time, but most likely Jesus cried and he did all those different things that babies do. And she's trying to grapple with the fact that here is this needy baby, but it is the all strong God at the same time. And I'm sure she's wrestling with this. And then these three astrologers, these magi come and they're looking off in a distance and they see this star and they get closer and closer and closer. And Mary is thinking in her mind, what do these men want? And they want to see this baby. And they get on their knees and they worship her child. And I want you to feel awkward for a second because she accepted it. She received the worship of her eight-day-old baby. You saw my kids up here. They're extremely cute, praise God. That is exclusively due to my wife. I added something, but I mostly took away, praise the Lord, but I have cute kids. My daughter Faith, when she was a few days old, she, she had this like hair sticking up. She was super cute. She is super cute. But you know, when she's really a few days old, she was very, very cute. And people would gawk, you know, they would just be like, oh my gosh, you know, especially moms. And they would just all come around and they would just get excited. And we received it. We were like, this is great. We have a cute kid. It confirmed our feelings. <laughs> we were excited about our baby. But this wasn't excitement around the child. These people were worshiping her child and she received it. She accepted the worship of an eight day old baby. You know, all throughout the Bible, when men or angels are worshiped, you know what they say? Stop, don't worship me. In, in the book of Revelation 19 and 10, it's crazy. It says in Re Revelation 19 and 10, and, and angels there and John's there, and in the middle there it says, they, they, he says, these are true words of God. And then he says, I fell down at his feet to worship him. And he's talking about an angel. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. I'm just like you. And he says, uh, and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. He says, worship God. 
This is an angel. He says, don't worship an angel. I'm, I'm just, my job is to serve God and worship him along with you. Worship God. One time, Peter, it said of Peter in Acts chapter 10, it says that as Peter entered this house, Cornelius met him and he fell at his feet in reverence. He began to worship Peter, the apostle. But Peter made him get up and he said, stand up. I'm only a man myself. And so the angel and the man, Peter, you know what they said? It don't take all that. I'm just like you. Thank you for the honor. But all this is too much because there's only one who deserves that kind of honor. But you know, this little baby, this eight-day-old baby, this baby Jesus, you know, he grew up. And when he grew up, this issue of worship, him being worshiped, didn't stop. In Matthew chapter five, verse 22, it says, then one of the synagogue leaders, this is a Jewish leader named Jairus, came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And you know what the verse goes on to say? Jesus accepted it. He received it. He thought it was appropriate to be worshiped. It says in, in um, Mark chapter five, it says, then a woman came, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at the feet of Jesus, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And do you know what it goes on to say? Jesus received her worship. And Jesus would go on to receive the worship of all types of leaders and all types of men and the crippled and all types of people. Jesus received their worship. And y'all, we have a dilemma. Jesus is either accurately receiving worship or he is arrogant and he is egotistical and we cannot go either way with it. He allowed people to bow in front of him. This Jesus, it is hard for our minds to imagine such honor and such humility before a God. We have come towards the end of a year, and when you get towards the end of the year, you start evaluating your life. I wonder what 2017 was like for you. I wonder what it brought you. I wonder what the highs were and what the lows were. And I also wonder what your relationship with God was like this year. Because as we realize, when we come to this end of the year, we start evaluating where we are. And you know what you probably did this year? <laughs> you did what many of us try not to do. We try to time manage. But we are in a constant state of earning approval from people. And once we earn approval, we work hard, we work hard, and then we look at techniques to escape. We need to go on vacation. We need to get away. And so all year we're earning and escaping, earning and escaping, earning and escaping. And we were taught to earn from our very birth. Out of the womb, some of you had to earn the approval of parents. 
They told you you needed to be a doctor or a lawyer. They told you your grades defined you, even though they never used those words. Their approval only came when certain grades were there. You learned that you had to earn certain grades from teachers, and you worked hard in order to make a certain honor roll or Or in college, you, you had to look for a certain degree. You, you are trying to earn the affection of a man or a woman, getting their attention. You're, all year, you really worked hard for that one diet. You watched What the Health, and you were like, I gotta I got become a vegan. <laughs> and then you became a pescatarian. And then you said, I'm gonna just do low carb. Because there's vegans and then there's what the health vegans, right? <laughs> and all year, we don't realize it, how hard we're working for approval. And that's why there comes these days where it's just like, I don't want responsibility right now. I, I gotta get away. There's just so many things going on inside of me. I've gotta escape. And one of the most dangerous things that could happen to you in your journey in this mountain of identity that you're climbing, one of the most dangerous things that could happen to you is success. Because the problem of success is that it seduces you towards self-reliance. And you find yourself not having more or less a spiritual life, but Jesus is more or less a consultant. He's not a living God to be fully submitted to. And, and there in the Psalm 95, part of what demonstrated this incredible worship, part of what gave them a soft heart and not a hard heart is because they thought of themselves as saying, you are the shepherd and I am one of your sheep. And sheep are probably, I don't know, they're the dumbest animal <laughs> that we have on record. <laughs> and they need someone to guide them. Yeah. And part of the depth of worship was really not just how I saw God, but how I saw myself. And so we live in this world where we are constantly earning, constantly earning. And because we live in a world of progressively earning more approval, more accolades, more opportunity, because that is the rhythm of our world. Our tendency towards earning paralyzes us before a God who offers us grace. And when you talk to God, when you experience God, you experience him as a partner on, the, on your journey in life, but not a holy God who is transcendent. Not somebody who the Bible says his thoughts are just high above our thoughts. His ways are high above our ways. I, I'm, I'm honored just to talk to you, just to be in your presence. I'm humbled just to be here. We can't see God like that. Because if God is that high, that means I'm that low, and I know I'm important. I know I'm special. 
This world has beat me down. And I've got so many things going on inside of me. I know I'm, I know I'm somebody. And so when I talk to God, though I need his help, he's an add-on. Much of our worship is how we see ourselves, not just how we see our God. And grace and the humility of being before someone saying, I need you, I need your help, is sheer humility. It's so humbling. And we don't realize that when we see people who are humble, truly humble, it is not that they always say please and thank you and they're always kind of sheepish like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's just, you know, mm, mm, it's all God. That's not humility per se. They just have an accurate assessment of themselves. They know what they're strong in and they know what they're weak in and they can admit it. <laughs> One, uh, probably about three years ago, um, this is it, right when we moved up here, the snow was just so crazy. They had this uh, thing called a polar vortex. I think they might have made that word up just, <laughs> just, just that year because I haven't heard of it again. But it's just all this snow had impacted the cars everywhere. And you know when the snow just gets crazy and you can see more snow than you can car? And it's like this mountain of snow, brown snow everywhere and the person has left their car there for a week, and now you come back to this mountain, and you're like, I guess it's just me against the mountain, and you're shoveling stuff out. I was coming back from the gym, and I saw this woman. She had to be in her 60s, and she had a shovel, and I mean, the shovel looked like a spoon. It was ridiculous. She's just like there, and she's trying to get it out, and I'm just like, hey, I can help. And she said, you know, you know I, go, 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 just, just go. And I'm, and I'm sitting there like, you need help. I said, ma'am, I would feel horrible if I just didn't help you. Just let me help you for five minutes. She said, all right, go ahead. So, I, you know, I'm trying to make conversation with her. I'm shoveling the snow out. And I'm going to tell you, that was some work, praise God. <laughs> Midway through, I was like, what did I get myself into? That was the hardest work I ever had. So I'm just, I'm shoveling and I'm shoveling. It is going to take me two hours. And I had said, you know, and my, uh, in fact, my wife was away that weekend. I said, I actually have the time to do it. And I know this woman cannot do it, so I can't give an excuse. So we, we talked. After 10 minutes, she said, you know what? Just, it's, it's going to take a long time. I said, it's cool. I actually have the time. I can, I can do it. She says, no, 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 go. And I said, D can I just 10 more minutes? She said, all right. So here I am, shoveling, shoveling, shoveling. A half hour goes by. I've got like a, t I can see a tire. <laughs> And I'm putting in work. I just come back from the gym. I'm struggling, but I'm like trying to keep a conversation going with her. It's freezing outside. You're feeling that feeling in your fingers where you don't feel the feeling, but you're like, but I know I have feeling in my fingers. So I'm just, I'm, I'm shoveling and I'm working and I'm doing all this. And there came a point after 40 minutes, she, she was like, just stop, just, just stop. Give me the shovel. And I said, ma'am, I want to help you. And she basically said, I can't handle it. 
She says, I know it's gonna take you longer. I know how much this will take. You, you've, you've gotta go now. And she basically shoved me off and told me to leave, though she needed the help. You see, grace is humbling. In fact, I would say grace is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And when you know the incredible strength our God offers matched with your incredible weakness, there's something powerful in your worship. These men are before a baby. And they are worshiping a baby because they realize this is the king of the earth, the sovereign king of the earth, the all-powerful God. But what we don't see in the text is there's something they see in themselves. There's something happened in these astrologers' lives that led them to not only want to find this star and find this baby, but God had arranged their life to the point where when they saw the baby with their own eyes, they were overjoyed. They fell to their knees and they worshiped. Something about the way they saw themselves, not just the way they saw Jesus. How did you see yourself this year? We may want to become more disciplined in prayer. We may want to achieve great heights and we want the favor of God in our lives. But how we see ourselves before our God. I was at a retreat this weekend with some pastors. And as we started reviewing our year, one of the pastors said something that I think I'm gonna use the rest of my life. He said, you know, this year I, I, I just got to the place where I'm really starting to just realize who I am before God. And he's a pastor, and, and I thought to myself, man, what does that mean? He says, well, I, I know God loves me and I know God accepts me, but I've started to think of myself this way, and I think we can throw it up on screen. He said, first, I think of myself as a child. That's who I am. I am a child of God. No, 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 I'm not, 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 it's not that I'm a pastor and then I'm a husband and then I'm a father and I've got all these responsibilities. Before all those things distract me, you know the first thing I am? A child. I'm one of his sheep in his pasture. And, and I can't run my own life. And I'm really not that good of a husband, and yes, I, I, I try, but the, the reality is that I'm still trying to figure out the chaos of our lives, and, and as a dad, man, I'm, I'm trying to talk to my kids, and I wanna have them have something better than what we had when I was growing up, but I'm, I'm juggling all those things, and then I'm pastoring, and I'm trying to preach, and lead, and teach, and be this person, and we're doing all these things, and he says, James, I come to realize that if I put pastor, if I put father, I put husband before all those things, I won't be needy before him. I am a child of God first before anything else. Maybe as you go into 2018, Maybe we need not just have goals and 
strategy and focus and determination, maybe we need to see ourselves differently and just start seeing ourselves as a child, as sheep in his pasture, that you just drown out all the noise and you come before him and you fall before someone. And maybe the reason why we're in this rhythm of earning and escaping constantly is because we never have a moment you know, when I talk, when I counsel people, sometimes you can hear it, they just, they just want to be irresponsible for a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, just, I just don't want all the pressure. I just want, I just want, I just need about 30 minutes where no one is relying on me where I'm not having to catch this train and be on time. I'm, I just, no more performance. I just need some time to just be. And what I want to encourage you is that you can go to Cancun and just be, praise God. We went to Cancun this year, it was amazing. I mean, and we had people waiting on us and it was amazing and we went to the beach and you were there before the water, it was awesome. But there is no vacation destination that can give me the satisfaction like I find on my knees. You see, the safest place and the place that I feel that I can be irresponsible and free is when God is carrying me. When I feel I can just lay everything down before him. And sometimes we just need to physically demonstrate our dependence on him. And sometimes getting on our knees just tells God, I am your child, I need you. And I am defined by nothing else. As you go into 2018, think of, I think of 1 Peter, 1 Peter um, 5. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And this one he says, that he may lift you up in due time. You, especially here in the city, you are working so hard. And many of you are working hard to to find that connection romantically or you're working hard to be connected to the job of your dreams or you're working hard to get kids and, and and I get all that. You are trying hard to earn the right things. And you are trying to climb whatever mountain that you set before yourself. But what if you didn't just climb next year? What if he lifted you up? What if he lifted you up in your vocation? What if he lifted you up in your marriage? What if he lifted you up in your opportunities? 
What if he lifted you up in your identity? What if God, what if you stopped earning and he started lifting you up? I saw, I saw a picture. Whoop, I saw a picture. I saw a picture of this young lady, Simone Biles. You know who she is? She's like four foot something. And she was next to Shaquille O'Neal. Did you see this? And he's seven foot two, let's say. And I thought about it. What if he had lifted her up? She would have gone places that she could never see, a, a picture that she would never see. Imagine going before the mighty God of heaven and earth, bowing before him humbly and saying, God, the only way this year will be different than next year is if you lift me up. So I want to demonstrate by getting as low as possible before you. I fall down before you. I know that you don't need me to fall. I know my knees don't need to fall. I know I don't need to be on the ground, but I want to physically demonstrate that you are my everything, that I am a sheep in your pasture, that my heart is not hard, that I need to be your child. I need to be your child this year. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need their approval. I need to be your child. And here's what's true. Aren't you tired? Isn't, isn't it draining? Isn't human approval draining? Isn't the city draining? Is it not taxing to feel the weight of trying to earn the thoughts of humans? And here we have a God who says, I'll lift you up. And so I want to charge you this year as you evaluate. Not only think about how you saw God, but think about how you see yourself before God. But I would be remiss if I did not encourage you to know this. You may say, Jesus says the Son of God, I've heard it. I believe, but getting on a knee, that is not my thing. Well, I want to encourage you. One day, it's going to be your thing. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, therefore, God also highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that is every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now you say, well, how is this gonna happen? We're gonna get on our knees before Jesus. There's gonna be this cosmic moment where the entire earth sees 
Jesus and they're just gonna get on their knees. And I believe what the text is saying is that it's not just that people are gonna be singing songs in their head and they're just gonna say, I just feel like getting on our knees. You see, the reality is that when you come into the context of holiness, when you see, see, it's not just that we're before Jesus, we will see Jesus for who he is. And when someone is exposed, this year has been marked, if by nothing else, by people who were on great heights and got exposed. We have on video Al Franken talking about women and how they should, we should fight for their rights. And then we have a picture of him assaulting a woman, mishandling a woman. He's exposed. You know what people said? Step down. Step down. And you have Matt Lauer. Matt, Lau- Matt, Matt Lauer, you have him. He, he's, he's basically the, the pinnacle of NBC as a reporter. And you have tons of videos of him actually reporting on, on other reporters or reporting on Bill O'Reilly. You have him on video reporting on other people who have had sexual misconduct, but he was found out. And you know what people said? Step down. Step down. You've been exposed. You're not what we saw in public. And then we are enraged when we hear the Roy Moores, the senators that have committed sexual misconduct and pedophilia. Or some of us are enraged by a Donald Trump who has scores of women that have allegations against him. And we say, why aren't they stepping down? This is unjust. Why isn't he stepping down? He's been exposed. There's videos. There's audio recordings. Because when you're exposed, when you're exposed, we know the next step is to bow. It's to step off your pedestal and say, I'm really not all that. I'm really not everything people saw. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, one day you will see Jesus face to face. And though you have had a great sense of morality in front of men and your righteousness matched those in your community and your friends and your family, one day you will be exposed. And I know you'll be, because one thing I know about you, I know you're a sinner. I know you give people advice that you don't keep. I know, I know that if we saw your thoughts exposed, that if we saw your heart exposed, that if we saw some of the way you feel about people exposed, you wouldn't even feel comfortable in this room. And yet, the God of heaven and earth sent his son to not expose us, but to rescue us. For he 
on the cross was taking on our sin. And as a believer, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all you're doing is giving a preview to the world of what the world will one day do. One day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.